You are now listening to the Life Defined Podcast, the show where we discuss the life-defining moments that we all go through that oftentimes makes us or breaks us. On this show, we always like to remind you that you might be going through all types of hell right now, but glory is on the way. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, 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 what's up, good people? Hey, here we are once again for a brand new episode of the Life Defined Podcast. I'm excited to be with you guys once again. I'm not sure when you're listening to this episode, but I know there's a lot going on in our world right now with um, just a lot of things that a lot of us are facing. As always, my hope is that as you listen to this episode today, it encourages you fully something that you hear today will offer you some inspiration uh, for these rough times that we're living in. Today's conversation is going to be an interesting one. I got a good friend of mine on the show today. So please join me in welcoming our next guest for today, Samay Rashad. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, no pressure, man. Thank you for having me on the show today. Yes, sir. Glad, Glad to, to be here. So let's start off by just uh, introducing yourself to the people. Let us know who you are. What do you do? Yeah, let's go. So my name is Samira Shad. Um, born in Oakland, California, raised in Prince George's County, Maryland. Been married for you know, a little over eight years now. Got two. I have two kids, two sons. Still in the in the area, Prince George's County area. Studied math and engineering at Bowie State and Morgan State here in Maryland. I love helping people. And I thought that studying engineering would help me to do that. I love learning, love, love to learn about business leadership and things like that. So I'm, a, I'm, a, uh, I'm still a work in progress like everyone else out here. And um, I try to take what I learn and, and help others and, and be a bridge to help others, you know, figure out problems, solutions. It's kind of what I do in my day to day. Uh, in the consulting industry, just helping people solve problems. That's what's up, man. As I was looking through a lot of your story, I think what it boils down to is the difference between church and Christ Mm. or religion and relationship. And so as we have this conversation today and you guys are listening, that's I think one of the biggest things that you're going to hear that there is a significant difference between simply going to church and actually having a relationship with Christ. There's a difference between religion and relationship. And so that's a lot of what we're going to get into today. One of the things that you mentioned before we got rolling was one of your biggest life defining moments was when you became a follower of Christ, and you committed your life to the Lord in 2010, right? Yeah. Okay. That's it. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, because I feel like that's sort of like the climax of mm-hmm. today's story. So before we get to the climax, I wanted to go back in time a little bit, back to a, a time in your childhood where you mentioned some interesting things about your relationship with church and some patterns that you uh, realized about yourself during that time? Yeah, uh, man, uh, rewinding here. So um, I think most of my life, you know, as far back as I can remember, I've gone to church 
Um, it's a, it's more than just um, religion, as as people would call it. It's cultural, and um, it was just it was a part of what we did, you know. And for me, uh, you know, I loved the worship music. I loved. I started. I began to love the sermons because you know, as I grew into my own, I was able to understand them um, some of the time. And I love the the familiarity of the people, the, the love the people gave you. So I think seeds. It's important to understand that seeds were planted in those years, but what wasn't uh, established in that time frame as a young man was a relationship with the Father, uh, a relationship with Jesus, um, and and um, I remember going up to the altar, you know, as I as I grew up and as I became a young man, you know, they would have the altar calls and I as many young men do, I made I had a pattern of of mis- mistakes that I would make time and time again. Um, you know, spending too much time up at night on the wrong channels and just all kinds of things, you know, as you get into those those teenage years you um start to experiment and um you know i I have no shame but uh you know porn is a heavy prevalent presence in in our society today in our culture today and i was exposed to it early on i don't know when the first time i ever saw a magazine or a movie but it just became a part of my life and i think that that seed that was established there early on uh, I knew watching it was wrong, and the only answer that I felt at the time, because nobody was teaching me, it's not like my parents were pulling me aside, and I mean, they might have said like, hey, don't do this if I did something wrong, but I think it, as a parent now, I understand you have to set up principles and, and boundaries, and, um, and so, some of that was not established uh, for me, so I did what I, whatever I knew was best and that for me was going up to the to the front of the church every time they, there was a <laughs> they they had that altar call and i knew i it, it, it maybe the guilt had built up so much yeah. i was like hey i need to i need to get rid of this i need to shake this thing so i'd go up i feel better and i'd be right back there you know a few weeks later I'm so <laughs> so but you're not uh, alone no I'm sure a lot of them. I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone, man. It's uh, you, you all you have to do is Google uh, the statistics, and um, the stats are astounding. I mean, like definitely, if you had four men in a room, at least three of them has has uh, watched pornography and may even still be watching it. So, uh, and that doesn't uh, exclude. I mean, I don't know the stats offhand, but that doesn't exclude people who are still going to church. I think it's a it's a it's a problem in our society, and you know society is not doing much to <laughs> about it, you know, collectively. Yeah, man. Okay, so that's so that was you know sort of your relationship um, with church, and you know, same with me. Like mm-hmm. for me, I grew up going to church every Sunday with my mom and my aunt, and you know, I enjoyed it, and I did it, you know, all through high school but the thing is it really had no impact on my everyday life Mm. it's what we did on sundays but monday through saturday i lived however i wanted to live especially on the weekends but 
Sunday, I'd be right back in church, listening and, you know, enjoying it. But again, it was what we did on Sundays. It wasn't really who I was. So that connection, just like you hadn't been made yet, for me, it happened in college. And now let's get into your college life because I think you have a very, you had a very interesting college career that I think as men, a lot of men would listen to your story and sort of envy uh, the collegiate uh, life you had. So walk us through what college life was like for you. First of all, I had I had too much fun in college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I started off going after two two uh, bachelors, and it took me seven and a half years to get one. So uh, that's something that I feel like is a setback. But you know, a setback is a setup for a comeback, as uh, Willie Jolly would say. And um, in that season, you know, I was reading a lot of that. But I I enjoyed I enjoyed my college years um, a little bit too much. Um, I was I picked one of the hardest majors and I mean to to pass classes you know you got to study but I for up until about 2010 <laughs> did not um you know I, I got into a lot of I didn't like I, I didn't know how to study so I picked a hard major and I'm you know so the social life at the school is great I started at Bowie and I I did everything, you know, I tried, I wanted to learn not just about math and, and, and science and engineering, but I wanted to learn, you know, business. I want to learn student government. So I got into a lot of different areas and those didn't really have an impact on, on my grades as much, but it wasn't, I think what you're getting, what you're hinting at is um, uh, getting into the fraternity life. And, and I pledged Kappa in fall 2007, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. And it, had an impact on everything it impacted my social life it impacted my grades it impacted my family life and how i decided to spend my time it impacted the people i hung around and and um it was just it was life-changing i mean you're put in in the in a uh, situation for a period of time and this this process changes you and i came out i'd say i came out better in some ways and over time because they say in you know in most fraternities they say you know the real pledge starts after and so after you spend this time you come out and you have a whole different way of looking at how you go about achieving something how you go about getting to you know from point a to point b and i already kind of had some elements of that uh just because the way i grew up things were not really not easy and uh just having that determination so you know, you go through that process, you come out, and on the end of that, there's all these uh, responsibilities you have uh, in, in the fraternity, and then, and all the rewards. And I think the rewards, uh, some of that can, is definitely a distraction, and the fraternity takes as much from you as you allow it to give, uh, as you allow it to take. So if you're really into, into women, that is amplified, and you have more women at your fingertips if you're really into developing yourself as a leader and as a as a uh, organizer that is at your fingertips and those two things between women and leadership i mean the fraternity for me became an idol not saying that this it does it to everybody but um you know i i would say to some degree 
everyone who joins our fraternity is going to have to wrestle with that because um, there there are elements of idolatry in in the organization. And you didn't join. You said you were the uh, president, right, of the fraternity. I was heavily involved. I was the president of my chapter, and um, I held regional regional positions um, for uh, one, two, maybe three, four, three or four years. So I so was heavily involved of the fraternity. Yeah, uh, traveling the country, doing step shows. Uh, you mentioned you were in student government. Mm-hmm. So, with all of that, I'm sure, like publicly, your life was what, like I mentioned, what a lot of other guys would envy from that public view of everything you had going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, I saw a lot of the country. I went to Bermuda twice um, and and I learned a lot. I met a lot of great people, a lot of great leaders, a lot of people who influenced me, a lot of role models that I look up to still to this day. So it was a, it was a great opportunity to uh, see the world, if you will, and um, develop myself as a young man. Okay. But at the same time, I think you you mentioned that you started to realize that there was something missing. How did that sort of light bulb go off in your head to say that, hmm, I think there's something I'm missing? Yeah. Let me just start with this, um, and I'll unpack this in a moment. It It was destroying my life. I was on a path of destruction. It looked good. And I can imagine, you know how, how, um, millionaires or something they'll say oh i had everything and it was but you know it didn't look like that and i could see because i had seen it happen to other people in my life personally and like in you know in the in some circles and i could see you know if if i don't i don't call myself a prophet but let's say i was i could see how the trajectory was like man, you are making decisions that are gonna like have an impact if you don't change something but i couldn't see that at the time so I'm going to start with, I was on a path of destruction, point blank period. Uh, it's easy to see that with uh, rose colored glasses looking backwards now. But at the time, the symptoms were I was failing school, you know, the relationships that I was beginning to have, like, I was doing a lot of wild things. And I was just like, yo, like something could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I can get a girl pregnant. I could catch an STD. I could find myself in a situation that is just not becoming of who I want to be. And so while, while, you know, I'm saying, well, while I'm like branded with this like success that you, that you're just saying, I was, um, you know, even just as a human being, like I was hurting people's feelings. Like I knew I was doing it. And I, like, I still, to this day, like I have to, I have to um, remind myself that I'm, that I'm forgiven, you know, and that I can, I pray that other people are healed. Um, and I just have to have faith that, that you know, God is capable of, of doing that when I'm not. Because I know that I've disappointed women that I dated and maybe just didn't really uh, care about, honestly, uh, or maybe it just used, hurt my family in ways too. Just not, in that time, like I was not there for them. Like, I saw my family as as a burden, and I, 
I think I had to see, I had to like, I was wrestling with like, I'm trying to live my life, go to college. I, you know, if I had gone away to college, I wouldn't be able to go pick up so-and-so and run around. But I was also being very selfish. And that's something that as I, there are a lot of things that I'm talking about that these are things that ha- I've had to heal from over the years, just being selfish and, you know, just the, the, the pain that I know I might've caused other people, like living with that and then reminding myself that God loves me and he loves them and that there's healing on the other side of that. And it's still, it's still a process. Yeah, man. I, I know that for all those things that I just mentioned, like, you know, if one of the first things we learned in physics is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't seeing the reaction yet. I had seen maybe signs of it. And oh, I mentioned that I was failing school. And I think that one of the first things that I, uh, one of the first conversations when I realized like something has to change was I had, I had got like a bunch of Fs. Like I had got really bad grades and, or yeah, something like that. And I went to uh, a mentor of mine on campus and I was like, Hey man, like I'm doing really bad right now. And I need to, I need something like all I'm, I just like, dropped this ball on this on on this this mentor of mine and he was like you know what you did and he's a kappa and he was like you made kappa your god mm. and i said well, i was like stuck so i made kappa my god and, and you know i was familiar with the bible i just never read about jesus so i was like i had an understanding like you know you should put no no one before me i understood that was a commandment and i was like thinking about it. I was like, yeah, I can see how you can say that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stop there and let you jump in because I kind of went off for a bit. What was the, the turning point? What was the turning point? It's hard to pinpoint it, but it was, it was the person, right? Oh, it was the most definitely a person. I was like, I was like, you know, when you're thinking about a specific moment, but um, there's a, you know, if you ever look, have a chance to look this up or your, your listeners have a chance to look it up, there's a lot to be said about God's loyal love. And I'm sure there's a Hebrew word for it, but his loyal love is, is what God has for us. And he showed that in the form of my now wife, April, and her mother, Jill, and people in their circles. And I met April <laughs> on Facebook. We went to the same high school. But this, long story short, it's like this is all before there was the uh, those those dating websites. So Facebook was the original like dating website, and it was kind of like you know she might say I stalked her, I might say she stalked me on Facebook, yeah. and so we had that going on, and we started dating. Well, we started talking because even the first time I asked her to be my girlfriend, she said no. But that's a, that's a whole other story. I'm like, I'm, I don't want to go off on too many tangents. But like, the point of it is that she began to introduce my, me to Christ, introduce her, introduce me to. Uh, it was like very like gent, gentle because it wasn't like you gotta do this and you gotta read the Bible. It was like, well, what do you think about God? And I had a brand. I had just gotten a brand at the time, and so. You know, I was very proud of it. And you had to keep your sleeves rolled. So the first thing her mom says when I come in, I think I had just got got it on my arm. And so we had a conversation about that. And uh, But it wasn't like I wasn't being attacked. I wasn't attacked. It was like, 
forcing me to think and I love to debate and, and to think about things. So we would have these discussions and, you know, slowly but surely, like we're having dialogue, questions are being answered and I have more questions. Sometimes people just aren't ready for God and it's like all in his timing. But for me, I think with me failing school and not, I wasn't flunking out, but I was like on that path. If I hadn't changed anything, like did a rap. And I think I was ready for change, you know, much like we talked about in the beginning. I think the country is ready for change. I was ready for change in that moment. And I think just God's loyal love just pursuing me in that moment. And, um, you know, my, my mother-in-law actually, she described God like a gentleman to me in that time. It's like, he's not going to force himself on you. Like he wants to build this relationship with you. And I could see that because it was just like, it was just slow, this slow, gentle uh, wave just rolling in on my life. And with each conversation and my wife, each boundary she set up, she was like, you know what, I, I know you like to drink alcohol. I get some, we had lots of discussions about it, but I think the final straw was like, I don't know if I could date somebody who's into alcohol. And I was like, huh. And the more, like, see, I think as, like, in my, in my like, regular Sime self before Christ, my, my pre-Christ Sime, I was like, well, I'm just going to have to pass on the whole situation. Like, you're trying to change me type of thing. But I think when, like, with, with love, right, you care more about other people. You know, the Bible says do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. So it's like if, if alcohol is a problem for her, like, why? You know, starting to ask why and having empathy. And because it was like a big stance. I was like, what's the big deal? It's alcohol. Like, you know, most people drink it. But for her, there was a pain there because her father, and she, I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing this, her father was an alcoholic. And so I was like, at the time, I was like, I already knew I really like this girl. I was like, man, am I willing to let her go because I like alcohol more than this woman that I really you know, like, and you grew the love. Like, I, I don't know we had, if we had said that I love you yet, I love you yet, but I was like, man, I want to be with this girl. And it was like, she's putting up these boundaries, not like, not rules. Cause it was my choice. But I, like I said, the, you know, it was a slow roll into my life and she, she and her family having these discussions with me when it was that turning point. Okay. So what do you think the difference was between this time when you responded to the Lord's calling you and all of those previous times when you had heard messages on Sundays, but then went back to life as usual? The difference was Jesus. I had never, I had never read the gospels. I had never taking the time or had someone else take the time to, I mean, we've, we've probably all seen like the children's Bible stories or videos with the good Samaritan and, you know, whatever other stories are out there, you know, feeding the, feeding the, um, feeding the people with the, with the bread and the fish, uh, the miracle, with uh, the bread and the fish. Like we've probably all seen that in children's books, children's stories, uh, but I had never read the full gospel. And 
that was the difference. So, like I said, nobody ever forced God on me. It was like in that moment, I think I could feel that tug. And there were several other decisions where like, you know, God speaks to us. Um, it's, it's whether we like are allowing that to get through. And there were other, there are other things that were happening. So like, just, there was a time specifically where I was like, man, is God, is God speaking to me? And uh, sure enough, like I was supposed to go somewhere, something bad happened that night and I wasn't there for, for that to have happened to me with the group of people I had planned to be with um, because I had decided to, to stay uh, at April's house that, that evening and have like a discussion. Like I was like, oh, I gotta go to this party. And I think in that moment, like when I got out to my car, God spoke to me, like, don't go. And similarly, there was a, there was an evening after, um, it was like a New Year's Eve service uh, at April's church. And after the service, God was like, you know, why don't you read? Why don't you read the gospel? Just read, just read Matthew for the first time ever. Like, just see what's in it. I read the gospel that night. And I gave my life to Christ after after reading it because I was just like, I can I can get with this. Like I, I mean I'm not just, I'm not going to sit here and say I I get it I get everything now, but you know like I got it. I was like, yes, I can give my life to Christ because He gave His life for me. I uh, I think there was an understanding there now. That's good. That's good. So here was something that I was thinking about. So you mentioned you being a man of of science, someone who studied mathematics and engineering. I imagine you're a very, you know, logical and linear type person. And so how did you come to understand faith and Christianity? I think, I mean, everybody's going to have a different opinion about, you know, like my frame of reference was, had been had been built up around both of those together. So for so you, that, they they don't like contradict. I think that there are unanswered questions on both sides. There are questions that a person of faith can answer can ask that science can't answer, and there are questions that a scientist would ask that faith can't answer. For me, I had been brought up with both. I wasn't a perfect Christian by a long shot growing up, and I definitely wasn't the perfect. Scientists growing up by a long shot, but and I don't think God is here to answer every question that we have. He does. Ask, he does answer some questions, mm-hmm. uh, but some things that he, there's some things that are still hidden. But to get to to the point is is difficult, and I'm gonna try to do my best. But I think that for me, the Bible began to explain things that I couldn't explain. I, I would be sitting in class. And I would think, I'm thinking back to calculus and, and how we talk about, we talk about the word infinite. Like that's like foundational in, in math. Like you, there's a, we spend a lot of time dealing with the infinite in, in advanced mathematics. And I'm like, huh, like God is infinite. Like this is, these are the questions I'd be asking myself or talking, like these are the thoughts that be going through my head as I'm in math class. And for me, I would, I would see God creating the universe and using, like, I would see him, like, 
writing the math, you know, like mm. creating the math as he's, as he's, um, you know, forming galaxies and stars. Like he's, he's utilizing all the things that, you know, with dark matter and black holes and, and, and all the things that scientists are trying to explain now, God is the hand that's writing all of that into yeah, existence. Yeah. And for me, it was just, I'm a very visual person. Like when I think, I think in like movies type of thing. And so that's why like in class, it was, it would be hard for me to focus at times too. Cause I'm just like, I get stuck on the video in my mind. And I, and I think what, what helps me is just like spending that time to to just think about it i I think we we want answers in black and white but i think we have to think about it and and use our our, using our frame of reference is 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 okay too so i mean i can't speak for anyone else like if you're an accountant or a business person like i couldn't tell you what they'd be thinking uh, you you are into the arts and the movies and playwriting and so I, I mean, I'm sure there's sto- storytelling is very important to you mm-hmm. and and so to you maybe the whole narrative of the Bible makes jumps out at you or something like I mean I won't speak for you but I think there's a part in the Bible for everybody I think there's a part in God's story for everybody they can find themselves in in God's narrative and for me like when I read when I read the Gospels. Uh, I was like, whoa, it's like, um, I was not really good at math proofs. I didn't, I still couldn't break this down for you, but um, a math proof starts with like a truth and, and it goes, it ha- you have to use other truths in order to prove that something is on the other side of the equation. So like, you know, one plus two equals three, like to give a, a simple example. And so a mathematician would break down like the left side of the equal sign and the right side of the equal sign and and help you determine why why this is a truth. And when I read the gospels for the first time, I was like I was seeing a proof almost in the way like Jesus spoke and the way things were lined up in the Bible like a math proof. That's just how it spoke to me. So, That's yeah. Good. Yeah. That's good. Um, but I think it speaks to in God's sovereignty, he knows how to speak mm, to each yeah. and every one of us in a way that gets through to us. You know, because and one of the reasons why I asked that question is because I think sometimes some people are like too smart for their own good. I know some people that are so intelligent that their intelligence becomes a stumbling block to them coming to know the Lord, who is a God of faith. Like there comes a certain point that you just have to have a certain level of faith to come into Christianity. Like you said, you won't ever be able to answer everything in this life. You won't be able to have God totally figured out you won't be able to answer all of the whys and the hows and the wins. And so when you can't answer all the whys and the hows and the wins, that's where faith sort of kicks in. But yeah, like as an artist, 
that was one of the ways God sort of revealed himself to me through the arts. And like, I can see him as a master artist who sat back and created this marvelous universe and the galaxies and the oceans. And he set everything perfectly just right as only a master artist could do. And so, yeah, as an artist, that's how I see him. And I think, again, because he's sovereign, he speaks to all of us in a way that we need to hear to come to know him. He's, Leon, he's like Leonardo da Vinci. Well, Leonardo da Vinci is like him. Because Leonardo da Vinci, is he, is he a great artist or is he a great mathematician? Uh, engineer. Hmm. There's this museum that I went to in... Um, uh, when April studied abroad in Rome, I went out to visit her, and there was an there was a a museum de- dedicated to him, and it had all these like like this man invented tanks, um, he invented these skis that you could use to walk on water. So, but we know him as a great artist, right? And so I think they're all, uh, I think that God is like the perfect. I mean, every everything comes out of him. So like. You know, you got artists, you got engineers, you have teachers, like God is a teacher, God is a healer. So, you know, doctors can relate to him. So, yeah, there's something for everybody, for sure. Yeah. Uh, What would be your advice to someone who may be in that phase of life where they go to church on Sundays, but still live life however they so choose? What would you say? to that person that, you know, and may feel like that's cool. Like that's how, that's, that's what we do. You know, we, we go to church on Sunday, we listen to a sermon, but outside of that, you know, I'm going to do me. And I think that's a very common mindset that a lot of people have. So what would you say to that person? That is tough. Cause I've, I've had some of those conversations. Um, and the, two for me is more questions you know like what comes to mind is a what are you afraid of Uh, b what might you be running from and c what do you think this is all about (laughs) like what do you think is the point where you think where you think this is all heading Mm. yeah what are you afraid of where are we going i think starting to like try to answer those questions i think that everybody is going to find themselves in a different place in life when they have that conversation, if and when they have that conversation. And having been in that that place before myself, I knew I was running from a father. Um, so my dad left. So my relationship with my dad and everyone's dad informs how you view the father. I think that's Christianity 101, ministry 101. The way you view your father is how you view the father. And I saw my father as someone who was just distant because when he was in my life, his business, and I love my, I love my dad. You know, he has played a significant role in my life, but even when he was in my home with us, business was a huge priority of of him, of his. And uh, there were like a lot of business trips and things like that. And then at some point, he decided that he needed to move across the country and leave his family. And so it wasn't something like 
conscious where I'm like, I consciously view God as far away. Subconsciously, I just like, he's just way out there. Like, you know, and that's what I was running from. I was running from a God that just didn't care. Like, God, don't you see, like, I'm on welfare? Don't you see I'm on Section 8? Don't you see, like, we have nothing to eat? Don't you see that we got evicted? Don't you see, like, pain after pain? I was, like, I, I was at a point in college where I was, like, when is it going to end? Like, are we ever going to be, like, I'm here I am studying to be an engineer. And, you know, like, the expectation on the other side of that is you're going to have a successful professional life, right? I couldn't, I did not have enough faith that life would be better. I just took one day at a time. And I don't know if I ever said, like, God didn't care. I, I don't think I even got that far. I just knew that life sucked. So I could see now looking back how God loved me, but in the time I couldn't see how God loved me. Yeah. I'm struggling just trying to like see like, okay, dude. Like looking like in that moment, in those moments, like I would have those ups and downs where like you could like without a relationship, you know, you, you don't really know a person. Like I can describe to you Donald Trump or Barack Obama you know, our presidents, I could describe them to you, but I don't know them. Right. I don't know their essence. You know, I don't know what would Obama say in this situation? What would Trump say in this situation? Like, I think we could all kind of guess. Uh, but if you knew him, if you knew them, you'd know how they would react. And I didn't know, I couldn't in that moment tell how God how God is loving me. Like, I'm still trying to understand that now. Like, I, right before this call, I was reading a devotional about uh, God's love because I still struggle with that. I know how I can love my kids as a father, but receiving that love was hard. So I think sometimes people are running from, from that side, uh, running from love, running from healing because it's a lot easier to just do what I'm already doing. It's so fun. It feels good. But the other question, one of the other questions I ask is like, what's the end, like, what's the end result? Like, where are you going? Where are you going? Like, if all, if the Bible is real, if you believe that there's a God and he's given a principles, like, let's just take the Ten Commandments, you know, like, have you lied? <laughs> have you ever committed adultery? All right. You know, you take like sex outside of marriage and lying and you say like, hey, have you done these before? Yes, I have. Well, uh, what is the consequence for that? Well, it's hell. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you are not able to face that question with a real answer, then I can continue to party on with my life and, and do what I want to do. But when you face that question, like, like now, what is the, what can I do about it? But unless you pause and start to think about that question, I think, I think the enemy I think Satan wants us distracted because most people are not stopping to ask themselves questions that deal with the infinite, deal with uh, where are we coming from and where are we going? Like most people are like, what am I going for dinner? What's the mood for this weekend? How am I going to get this bag? How am I going to get this money? Like uh, just turn on your Instagram feed. Like that's what's on there. Like in the moment, like living for the moment. But when you contemplate, eternity man i'm not trying to sound like super religious but like you have to have that conversation with yourself or with somebody who can like spiritually guide you like because it's coming whether you like it or not we all live and we all we all are born we all live and we all die and we all have gifts 
we all have something God put us here for. So like, are you wasting your life on something that just is just fulfilling you for the moment? Cause I mean, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, man. So for me, I think there's, there's really, there's two things I think I can really point to that made the biggest difference for that shift in me. Cause like I said, I was the same way. And when I got to college, there's two things that made all the difference. One, I got around people who for the first time I saw what it looked like to be a disciple of the Lord. And I had never seen that growing up. See, growing up, like I mentioned, a lot of us, a lot of my friends would go to church on Sunday but then we, you know, be at the club on Friday. We'd be at somebody's house doing the do on Saturday. And so <laughs> all through high school, that was the routine, dating, you know, whomever, sleeping around, going to church on Sunday. And there was no real, um, there was no guilt really. And I didn't feel any guilt because there was no real personal connection. And so again, when I got to college, I started going to this church. And when I was going to this church, it was the first time I had been around men and women who took this Christian walk seriously. It's what yeah. they did every day. They studied this thing. They studied the word like on a regular basis without no pastor, without no church, without any of that. They were students of the word and they hung out together. So they might hung, hang out on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Friday nights, they're hanging out together. I saw discipleship and I saw community in action like yeah. I had never seen before. And that was attractive to me. So that was the first thing that made all the difference in the world was seeing that example of people truly living out this Christian walk. And the second thing that made all the difference for me was this shift from this not simply being something that I do on Sundays, but it's who I am. Mm -hmm. When that became real, yeah. that made all the difference. That Christianity and Jesus wasn't simply something that I did on Sunday mornings, but when it became like who I am, and it became the lens and the, 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 the viewpoint from which I saw everything. That was a major shift because this Christian worldview became the lens through which I saw everything, people, my job, my education, my career focus, my endeavors, my pursuits, my money. Uh, when I became uh, married, when I became a father, this Christian worldview became the lens through which I saw every aspect of my life opposed to something that I just did on a Sunday morning. And so for, you know, people that are listening, if you've sort of in that routine, like I mentioned earlier, where you go to church on Sundays, but then you still live however you want to live throughout the rest of the week. Like Samay offered some questions. The question I would ask is, is this Christian faith simply something you do on Sunday mornings or does it define who you are? Is it 
the worldview that you that defines every aspect of your life. So if you're whether you're in you know whatever business you're in, if you're a husband, if you're a father, if you're a wife, if you're a mother, an employee, an employer, every arena of your life has to be seen through that Christian worldview. Especially in the times that we live in right now, that's how we should be looking at each other through that Christian worldview. Like the commandment, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what kind of world would we be in right now if we all had that worldview that I'm going to view everyone I come across as someone that I'm going to love as I love myself. Man, that's good. I had so many, brought back so many memories because when you said seeing people who really wanted to live for God, I just thought back to, um, I didn't mention that my wife and her, and her, well, actually my mother-in-law was leading a, like a Friday Bible study thing you know, at her Bible study, not a thing, but a Bible study at, at her house. And she would have over, you know, young people and just seeing her walk through her journey, seeing her, her mom and, and, and April, like walk through their journey and like truly live by this, like you were saying. And I thought back on, you know, just some of the, um, I would have internships out of state. And so I would be, I'd be like in um, California, or I'd be in New Mexico and there, and I would experience discipleship there it'd be like the same jesus i see in the room with um with april and and jill my mother-in-law i would see that same discipleship in new mexico mm-hmm. and the same love in california like one time in california um there was this church i went to and the pastor gave out um this poker chip and on it was written uh, the words "all in," and so like even after I had given, like I had given my life to Christ, but I was still like I was still I was on my I was on my journey. Let's say that I was on my journey of sanctification. So I was mm-hmm. still doing things I wasn't supposed to be doing, making mistakes, going to God, and one of those one of those milestones that I can look back to and remember was getting this poker chip. I probably still have it, and it said "all in." And it was like God was saying in that moment or in the message too, he was like, look, are you all in for God? So like you could have a, like a lot of, with the coronavirus going on right now and with what's happened to our economy, I'm sure people have got on their knees and prayed. Hopefully they've, they've asked for some guidance. And the, there are low moments that we have in our life where we're like, man, like I need help, God. But are you doing that just when you need help? are you doing that also when you've had some success? Like, God, how do I handle this success? How do I handle being a new parent? How do I handle uh, marriage? Every, when you're talking about every, that worldview, every element of my life, I'm taking before God. It may not be all at once. And, and my wife knows I can pray long and I, I do my best to try to pray for everything I can in that moment. But uh, I think it's also like, every part of your life are you praying about every part of your life and not not to paralyze you but i'm giving i'm giving my whole entire life to god so you have i think if you if you really want to know where you are with god 
Ask God. Hey, God, how much time should I be on my phone? How much, you know, ask God, like, pick an element of your life and say, God, what do you think about me going after this promotion? What do you think about me doing X, Y, Z? Like, if you're not willing to ask that question, you know, you got to wonder, do you have a, do you have the worldview Raymond was just talking about? That's the test, I think. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, what's next for you? Tamay, you got anything coming up? Anything you working on that you want to talk about and share? I do. I do. I don't know when this is going to be released, but I am working with uh, one of the guys out of my church to start a podcast for for men and fathers. It's uh, called Mentored Fathers. Yeah, that's coming up. So family is a huge focus. Uh, podcast is a... Is a taking a priority to, we want to, we want to really help. I think like looking back at my, my childhood and looking out at like my, my peer group, um, a lot of people are becoming dads or are dads, but the dads we have are not the dads we would aspire to be. Uh, so maybe some elements of them, um, we're going to get that regardless, but like, how do I, how do I become a dad? How do I become a father that I that my my children would look up to, without making the same mistakes? And that is easier said than done. Uh, we may think we may not fall on those landmines, but we gotta face them. And so this podcast wants to attempt to kind of bridge that gap from the like the fathers that we've had to the ideal fathers, and we have to look to the father. So hmm. for sure, day and age. Sure. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear it. Definitely. Well, Samay, um, I think that's it for today. I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, as always, I hope that something shared in this conversation today would help to inspire and, and influence and change somebody's life who is listening. People want to follow you on social media. Are you out on social media you know, publicly like that? Yeah, I'm on I'm on Instagram for the most part. Uh, it's amazing, S E M A Z I N G. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. Follow me there. Cool beans. Well, that's it, guys, for this episode of the Life Defined Podcast. As always, I'm your host Ray Watson II, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Peace. <laughs>